Welcome to ATL Day Ones with Jarvis and Tanitra. Coming up on today's show, ATL Day Ones Mock Draft Part 2 is locked and loaded, baby. And every hog had one job in Beantown and Jarvis. It looks like everybody, including number 11, understood the assignment. And last but not least, and for the culture, hey guys, I was wrong about the Hawks, and that's okay. We'll talk about all that next right here on ATL Day Ones. Let's go. This is ATL Day Ones, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta. And it starts now. I want to start off by saying thank you for making ATL Day Ones your first listen of the day. Remember, we are free and available wherever you download your podcast. And wherever you download your podcast, really appreciate you in advance for a five-star review. Go ahead and do that as you go along and download this show. It is ATL Day Ones, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's episode of ATL Day Once is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on today to get started. But T, when we think about, you know, the ATL Day Once mock draft and how big of a deal it is and how everybody's been clamoring for it and the Atlanta Falcons, Terry Fontenot and Arthur Smith were even talking about it yesterday in their prep. No, I'm, I'm kidding, folks. I'm kidding. But, you know, hey, they should take a look at it because we've, we've done our research and we've checked this thing out. And, you know, yesterday we started off with the uh, the uh, for, um, first seventh round pick and both seventh round picks and the one thir- pick 113 in the fourth round. If you want to know who those are, make sure you go ahead and check out yesterday's episode. It is right there for you. But, T, we got to start off with this right now, right? So, Pick number 110 in the fourth round, Tanitra Batiste picks what you got. Oh, I'm just going to stay in my happy space and stay on defense. (laughs) Absolutely, of course. (laughs) And we're going to go with a D-lineman who had a lot of promise coming out of high school and still on some level definitely gave us or gave the SEC what they wanted in him but ultimately still may have some untapped potential that if you get him in maybe the fourth round, you might be able to get one of those, as we say, sneaky good late round picks from Terry Fontenot, and that would be your D lineman, Colby Wooden out of Auburn. So this is that guy, you know how we like to say, hey, can we get ourselves a guy like a bull in a china shop when he pins the ears back? (laughs) That would be him. You know how we love violent folks who have violent intentions? That would be him as well. So he's the kind of guy where, okay, Jarvis, you're not going to necessarily use him as an every down type of D lineman, nor do you need to, because at this point, the Falcons do have an embarrassment of riches and you never know what they might be able to, whom they might be able to pick up rather in that third round or even that second round. And you and I already know we want them to go in the first round, but he could definitely bring something to this defense to give them even more depth, if you will. So you talk about him being uh, at least consistent in terms of um, being a pass rusher who also helps with uh, run defense, right? Right. So if he's that guy who you don't need to like rely on every single down, he could definitely be a good guy who could give you maybe not a lot of burst on the edge, Jarvis, but enough of a burst on the edge. And again, he might be a little bit, a little bit of a project. So therefore you might be able to get eventually somebody who could have that sneaky good value in that later round. I, I, I seem to see a, 
a pickup on a theme T here, you know, as far as with the SEC, you know, the yes. line bench, yes. you know, like yes. battle tested guys. Like I, I'm, I'm really smelling you. I'm smelling you T. And, and here's the thing. I stayed in the SEC as well. How about this? Wide receiver, Jonathan Mingo, 6'2", 220 out of Ole Miss. He's a guy that kind of caught a lot of people's eye down at the senior bowl, caught my eye as well. Mm-hmm. I, I think he's a guy that, you know, obviously added to that wide receiver room. And here's the thing when it comes to, you know, uh, getting getting finding value in in this particular round. It's just like you said, they're not necessarily looking for a starter, I don't believe. You're looking for somebody who can contribute on special teams and go out there and, and be a rotational person as well. So yep. I, I think that, you know, Jonathan Mingo, I think he kind of checks the box on that, and he also checked the box. Not necessarily a power forward, but, you know, a solid uh, point guard, nice-sized point guard in, in the NBA, you know, mm-hmm. when it comes to staying with the theme of those big-body wide receivers. And, and Jonathan Mingo, he checks the box on that so I'm gonna go with Jonathan Mingo on that one but as far as the third round to you pick number 75 where we're going and I'm gonna go and follow your lead on wide receiver but may go a little bit off the beaten path this is maybe my first pick or second pick rather um who is not named an SEC player <laughs> yes <laughs> but that would be uh I thought it was interesting because we're looking for somebody who may have had at that kind of that breakout season that tells you hey this is a guy who potentially could come in and kind of pick up where he left off in his uh, last year of college eligibility. Right. So Mm -hmm. I looked at a guy, Trey Palmer out of Nebraska because he's, but yeah. So, cause I thought he was interesting just in terms of someone who kind of exploded and had that high productive season, kind of that last year. And you're like, okay, if he had had this, maybe all of his seasons, then he could be, we could be talking about a second rounder, maybe even, you know, a late first rounder, if you will. But again, we're talking about vertical skill set, if you will. So for him, he's really high in terms of being able to just really get up there. Another thing, game changing speed. We're looking at a core in, you know, Drake London. He's a fairly speedy guy, right? Right. Um, So, yeah, you're looking at a core as far as. Moves well for his size. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, well, exactly. So when you look Mm -hmm. at him and you say, hey, for his size, not too bad. Right. But if I look up and down the depth chart and, you know, as we kind of look at the receiver room and the tight end is kind of a one in the same type of room. Mm -hmm. If I kind of look at the depth chart, I'm like, okay, they picked up Scotty Miller kind of has a little bit of that piece there as well. Um, everywhere else, I don't know about you, but I'm kind of looking like, okay, where's the speed? Kind of like, yeah. okay, where's the burst? And to me, that's where you can probably pick something up for him. The other piece there as well is this, when you start getting into the third and fourth round, you kind of called this out yesterday on a couple of your guys. And I'd call him out, um, for him as well. That same burst, that same speed that I'm talking about is something that you could use on special teams. So I think he might be a guy that Marquise Williams might like as well, where he can be that interchangeable guy, maybe like a Frank Darby started to show himself to be as well. Maybe you can get somebody like a Trey Palmer to be able to do that, but maybe be just a little bit more effective sooner at the wide receiver position in addition to what he can do on special teams. Yeah, I I feel you on that. I I really like that, that pick because one of the things that Arthur Smith kind of hinted at throughout the season mm-hmm. after games or, or, or during the week, and, you know, as far as leading up to practice and leading up to games, 
it was the fact that being able to take the top off of defense, like you have to be able to do that, right? Like you need to have somebody that can do that. Now, Drake London is a guy who can catch over the middle and and make those tough catches and, and you know, contested catches and everything like that, get those uh, uh, 50-50 balls. But you got to have somebody that, hey, that you can take advantage of when you, when you want to go to your shot play, right? You know, when you want to take a, a shot downfield and go deep. You know, Kyle Pitts, yeah, he can he can qualify for that, but you want to have somebody who specifically is uh, built to do that, right? And to having that, that, that top-end speed like that, I think that's going to be something that Arthur Smith definitely taps into. Now, um, T, for me, I had to go. I'm, I'm tapping into the whole senior bowl piece because the fact, we know the Falcons have drafted, I think, either, at least 10 guys from mm-hmm. the senior bowl over the past couple yeah. of years. So I'm, I'm staying with that trend. So at pick number 75, I'm going with cornerback out of South Carolina, Darius Rush. He's a guy that caught my eye down there yeah. because he is somebody who continue. One thing, I, I one trade that I always look for in cornerbacks is the fact that Contested balls, right? Like, if you are getting the ball caught on you, I want to know that you're at least going to be right there to make the tackle. Like, because mm-hmm. one of the things that is a definite red flag for probably not just me, but everybody else, is mm-hmm. if you're getting balls caught on you and you're nowhere in the picture. Like, that is not good. But Darius, he's a guy that if he gets, if he got beat, down in one-on-ones we know those kind of cater towards the offense as far as mm-hmm. in those individual drills he was always right there right yeah. there or right there right there not necessarily you know to be able to make the tackle because they weren't bringing guys to the ground but coming over the top swiping it down or or breaking on the ball and even get some interceptions as well so he was a guy that I really thought really stood out and mm-hmm. you know to be able to find him in that third round T like you're looking for value this is the, the round they were like hey it this is a starter, starter world right here. So, mm-hmm. hey, this is a situation where he can come in and compete with Jeff Okuda because nothing's guaranteed with that because we heard from yesterday, from the press conference yesterday, these yes. guys are going to be competing for a 53-man spot. There's no guarantee no. nothing going on mm-hmm. once um, July hits for the Atlanta Falcons. Now, all right, now with pick number 4040 in the second round, who are you going with? I mean, did you really think I was not going to stay on defense? Um, <laughs> the nature mantra. Come on now. What, what, right, what's like, right. what else now, will you go? <laughs> now, what I will say, Jarvis, is I did have a little back and forth. So don't be shocked about the same on uh, tomorrow when we go, when we reveal our first round pick, right? Our, okay. our selection at eight or wherever. But for round two, and, and the reason I say that is because I kept going, okay, am I going to go defense and go edge? Or am I going to go offense? Because I really haven't spoken on, you know, and I, I do know that that left guard situation is still in flux, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, but I kind of yielded to, you know, my inner desire to have a defensive guy. So I went with Thule and I might like mispronounce it, but I bet I get it right if the Falcons. I know where you are. Yeah, I bet I'll I get know it you're right talking about. <laughs> so Thule, Thule to a pollute. Tui Polutu. I think I got that right. Had out of USC, what, yeah. Yeah, out of USC, yeah. exactly. So this guy had what you want, Jarvis. You want a guy who's trending up each and every season. So he's the guy who led the nation 12 and a half sacks last year. Literally. Oh, you're talking about 37 QB hurries. And the reason I point ears. that out. <laughs> oh, you salivating too, right? I'm being extra. Yeah, I'm being extra. Sorry. <laughs> so, it's fine because you look at him. Size. 
versatility. We keep talking mm -hmm. about that versatility, right? So mm -hmm. if you look at a guy who could be in a starting space, but also could be a rotational guy, you can kind of plug and play him in. And can you imagine if he was already that good and then he gets to, and I, you know, put kind of quotes around it, if you will, but he gets to be under the tutelage of Calais Campbell, David Onyemata, Grady Jarrett. I mean, how great can he be to me he seems almost like remember last year when we talked about arnold ebikati and we thought okay we're seeing some things you know where ak could be that guy and he still has potential to be that guy right but mm -hmm. with a little bit more of kind of under the tutelage and maybe one other season under somebody great like orion nielsen some really really good things could happen so i kind of see he's that same guy I think my only hesitation slightly was you just never know because he's mm -hmm. edge. You don't know whether or not he's a guy who will actually be there at 44. But on the same token, you know that I still believe that eight and 44 are not solidified as far as where the Falcons will land with that second and first pick. Yeah. I, yeah. That's that's the thing that, you know, I, that, that's the beauty of the draft. Right. Like everybody have where they feel like the Falcons should go. We are talking about where we feel the Falcons should go. And I think that, you know, in that second round, like you don't know what's going to happen because a lot of guys going to get pushed down, you yeah. know, because guess what? If the quarterbacks run off the board in that first top of the first round, it's going to have an effect on what's going on in the second mm -hmm. round. That means some mm -hmm. quarterbacks may get pushed up. There means some positional guys are going to be moved around like, okay, here's a position where, you know, it was a run on quarterbacks, but here's where there's going to be a run on this particular position now mm -hmm. that those quarterbacks start going. So I, I, I love, I love the pick by the way, too, because I think Tui is a guy that I haven't got a chance to check out, but I think now that you brought him up, I'm going to have to go get my eyes on him and see yeah, what, see you what he like with. <laughs> Yes, on, yes. On I, I need that ballast T. Oh, yeah, like <laughs> <laughs> We're almost, what, a little bit more than 24 hours away. So, yeah, I'm definitely looking for all the violence I can find. And speaking of violence T, with my with the 44 overall pick for your boy, now, I am a guy that has been super tired of this whole round robin of undrafted guys and guys who've moved from tackle to guard. To mm -hmm. No no shade, Elijah Wilkinson, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I found a guy that is going to be able to lock in, put a pin on it, and put his pin on it in that left guard spot. And if Drew Dahlman start acting up, he can jump in the center spot as well. Mm -hmm. I'm going with the center guard out of Minnesota, John Michael Smith. This dude, Ooh. absolutely. I'm going to continue with the senior bowl trend until you know how I get down. I see guys that I like, and I just run yeah. with them, right? So he was, he was a guy that one-on-one, so I'm talking about locking down. Guys try to bull rush him, snatch, and all that stuff. He's like, nope, I'm still right here with you. You're not going anywhere. <laughs> so he's a, got a mean streak in him as well. Ooh. So, yeah, I love John Michael Smith, the center guard. Out of Minnesota with the 44th overall pick. Now, T, we asked Trey Young to put on a Madison Square Garden-type performance. He was in TD Garden, and he was the gardener. We'll talk about next. But first, we got to talk about BuiltBot.com because it is the most amazing protein part bar you probably put your mouth on or put it in your mouth. You know, however you want to say it, you know, I'm, I'm keeping moving because I'm a 12 year old at heart. So I'm trying not to laugh, but you know, they have all the different flavors that you want and that you're looking for, because here's the thing. I've been out here trying to get my life together, trying to work on my, my body and get everything right. So guess what I've been doing? I've been rocking with built.become because 
What makes them so good? You know, they are 100% real dark chocolate. That's right, real chocolate from churro to peanut butter brownie and cookies and cream. My favorite is the churro. It is absolutely amazing. You got to try it out. So if you want, you can't wait to get a box. So all you got to do, you know, we've been going sending you guys to Built.com for a long time now. Now you can go to your local Walmart or Sam's Club while you can still get your specialty flavors still at Built.com. So, yeah, if you're ready right now to go get your bars, go to Walmart and Sam's Club. It is going down. Jarvis, I don't care how you put it. You can say that Trey Young put on for his city up top. Check. You can say that Trey Young literally was out there being a gardener or like old school, they used to say, your uh, is grass and I'm the lawnmower. Yep. He was that guy too. <laughs> yep. Uh, check. You can say, so I say, I mean, all of it, all check. of the above works if you are referring to one Trey Young who single-handedly took over the game from the tip. And Jarvis, what I love about it is this. When we talked about one of the things we wanted to see from Trey Young, it wasn't just taking over, but it was being smart and aggressive. And we yes. saw a very smart, aggressive style of play last night to get the Hawks the 119-117 win to force a game six to come back here. And so there are two, to me, Jarvis is a part one and a part two to this thing, right? Mm -hmm. The part one is Trey Young is, is understood the assignment and completed it. Yeah. And part two is Sha Shaquille O'Neal would say the others understood oh, the assignment oh, and completed it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, you know, that's, that's kind of where, where I want to start. And then, of course, there's a part three to it as well. But first things first, part one, Jarvis, give Trey Young all the darn flowers. Because, again, when you set the tone by the first possession and allowing 11 to 12 seconds of the shot clock to go through. So I'm making the point because he did not rush to hit that first three. But the very first thing he did out of the gate was, was hit a three. And that, yeah. to me, set the stage, regardless of the fact that Boston went up thir by 13 and the Hawks had to battle back for the win, that he set the stage. So 38 points later, <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, 13 assists later, two steals later, and the Hawks live another day because Trey Young did exactly what he needed to do. Yeah, and, and that's the thing that I really – love and appreciate about Trey because at the end of the day, like I'm born and raised from Atlanta. Like, uh, and I want this team to do well. Yes. Uh, I understand the last time they had a superstar on his squad and that was Dominique Wilkins and they traded him away. And I understand the narrative as far as, Oh yeah, the Hawks are going to tear it down or Trey young may be on the trading block. I don't, I'm not excited. I'm going to get excited about that type of stuff. I don't know how people, you know, broadcasters feel in this, in this, in this market. But for me, I don't get excited about that type of stuff because I know the history and I know where it comes from. So for me to sit up there and watch that game T, I was literally in awe because we talked about what he needed to do, the type of performance that he needed to have with DeJounte Murray being out. And he went out there and did it. And for and what really got it for me, where I was just, just I just started laughing and I started chuckling to myself. I was like, this is really dope, is when he hit him with the ice tray after he hit that shot. And I was just like, man, I haven't seen that in a long time. Yeah. Trey actually looked like he was having fun, T. Yes. And that's the Trey Young that we need. We need the guy that having yeah. fun, not trying to answer questions and 
being his leadership being questioned and mm-hmm. oh you the doggone problem you getting folks fired I don't, I don't want all that I don't want yeah. that drama and right. I'm sure he doesn't want it either so for to see him having fun last night and looking at the crowd after he hit that shot mm-hmm. and just mm, 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 mm. yeah I know it's cold up in this joint yeah. I absolutely loved it T and I'm yeah. all for it on Thursday when they get ready to start rocking again Indeed, indeed. And I love the fact that when we saw that out of him, it was like the entire team didn't sit back and say, oh, okay, we're just going to let Trey win this thing. Like everybody else understood. Yeah, Trey can have a 38.13 assist night, but guess what? You all, and and also I want to give him credit for being efficient because a total game of four turnovers, when there have been games where we've seen him have five in the first quarter. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Played an efficient game, but the team figured out, oh my goodness, if we're going to win this game, we got to do something too. We can't just stand back and watch Trey do his thing, John Collins. So <sighs> hey, he may not have given us a double double. Respect, my brother. <laughs> exactly. You got to give him so much credit for also having an efficient, efficient night because it, it wasn't just 22 points, Jarvis, but it was nine of 18 from the field. It was four of nine from three. So again, that is smart basketball. That's the smart basketball that we needed to see from him. Also, Bogdan Bogdanovich, because we didn't know if Quinn Snyder was going to go, quote unquote, kind of small ball and kind of stick with a shooting guard in that space, or if he was going to go kind of the three forward style. We didn't really know what he was going to do. Decided to go with Bogey, and Bogey delivered just enough in the 18 points. Got five assists, two blocks. Two blocks. Yeah. And the reason I mentioned that is because you can look down that entire... He can D up when he wants to. <laughs> he can D up yeah. when he wants to or when you yeah. need him to. And exactly. so you look down that whole nine-man rotation, Jarvis, whether you're looking under rebounds, steals, blocks, whatever the case may be, that was also to me very encouraging to be able to look down the entire rotation and see that each person contributed two ways because the two-way play i don't care if it was just a two-point win the two-way play puts you in position to even come back from that deficit and win the game yeah that and that's the thing like when you're talking about coming back from a deficit right because it, it seemed like boston was in the control of this game from yeah. from the most part you know and yeah. then the hawks were just kind of sticking around yeah. not letting it get up to 20 you know 25 point lead or anything or 30 or whatever mm-hmm. it was just like around 10 12 13 and then next thing you know it started getting down to eight and then you start to sit down to six and then when like what they had they hadn't had a lead to when they were up in the second quarter once they took the lead in the fourth quarter so just like just the resiliency that this yeah. team played with and showed i think it was just it was it was refreshing it was refreshing to really watch and then i just love how the 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 whole uh scheme aspect of the game as far mm-hmm. as Quinn Snyder with having different playing around with different lineups and having yes. Jalen Johnson in there with Onyeka Okongu and doggone Clint Capella. Yeah. Like, that was something to see. And I was like, oh, okay, this is how you working it. Mm-hmm. And then having Jalen Johnson defended on the perimeter. And I'm just like, whoa, yep. what is this? So I was like, okay. Very necessary. I, yes, yes, very, very necessary. necessary. Very that's the perfect way to put it. So I think that playing around with the matchups Trey doing exactly what he he was called to do, is, yeah. which is lead this doggone team and go out there and get a dub on the road in the garden. The gardener was in the building, T, and I absolutely loved it. And what you just said is why I think they still have very much a chance 
on Thursday when DeJounte Murray is reinserted in the lineup because Quinn Snyder showed even last night how he really does have the touch when it comes to not just realizing that, okay, we need to do some switches. I need to play around or tinker around with this rotation, but being able to do it in the moment. It reminded yeah. me, his tinkering around with the lineups last night actually reminded me of something that he did in uh, game three and even in the loss in game four, by the way, there yep. were moments where he immediately called a timeout, right? Didn't mm -hmm. wait for the lead to get out of Hanford's the Celtics or didn't wait for the Hawks league to be whittled down to nothing. He called yep. timeouts in a timely manner. And I feel like being able to do that, being able to see who's the hot hand or where do I need better two-way play, that's how he's going to make, to me, an easy reinsertion of DeJounte Murray into the lineup. And think about it. Even in these games, you know, these games in this playoff series, although the first two games kind of mirrored what it looked like in the regular season where you had the 13-point um, wins by the Celtics, the one consistent, the one constant, taking nothing away from what Trey did in game five, but the one constant has been DeJounte Murray. Right. So I'm confident that Quinn Snyder is going to find a way to get him back involved in the right way and in the right spaces and places to potentially to potentially force a game seven. Yeah, and I think that and Trey kind of has to come with the same mindset too, yeah. right? When you think about you know being able to insert himself early on, making sure that hey, I got my stroke tonight. Let me get let me get going, and then I'm gonna make sure everybody else get involved. And I think that that's not gonna be the thing that we don't have to really necessarily worry about too tough when it comes to you know what 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 they have, you know, going forward and and thinking okay, DJ, we know you got to get the rock in your hands from time to time, and I and I think that once you have that, we can you know get going and, and making sure that we are where we need to be. Indeed. And, you know, Trey Young has something to say for the South, who has something to say last night. And every day, as we know, you guys got something to say, too. So let us know what your thoughts are about the fact that the Hawks forced game six, forced this series to come back to Atlanta. We always appreciate all your thoughts. And we hope that you guys will continue to give us feedback on what you think about our mock draft picks. If you have some different thoughts on your mock draft picks, let us know who you think, especially for tomorrow because we might just insert you into the show and let everybody know what you guys think the Falcons will do, whether they pick at the eight, go up or go back in the draft. So don't forget, check us out on YouTube, because of course you can see us in all of our draft night glory, or you yes. can check us out wherever you download and listen to your podcasts. But T, this is for the culture. It is the intersection between sports, entertainment, the culture, and sometimes whatever the hell we want to talk about, because that's just how we get down on this show. Today is no different. T, I was wrong about the Atlanta Hawks because, you know, I do my little sports extra appearance from time to time. So I was on there Sunday and they asked me because of State Farm Arena being double booked on Thursday. They asked me, should we be concerned that Janet Jackson, the icon, may be moved or may have to move to a Friday uh, because of the Hawks coming back to Atlanta in their series against the Boston Celtics. And, of course, I joked about it and said, there's no worries. Um, as a matter of fact, you can go and get you some hotel rooms and book. Don't even worry about getting insurance, T. So, you know, I hope y'all didn't listen to me because, you know, hey, like, our players mess up sometimes too. So, but, yeah, I think, T, the, the way Trey Young played, I'm, I'm so glad that I was wrong. And then, you know, hey, you move into a Friday, all you got to do now is just deal with all that Taylor Swift traffic, T. Man, I tell you, I was like, and the funny thing is when I first heard the story, which kind of came out uh, yesterday, 
about the possibilities like oh gosh like what if the hawks do the impossible win game five and come back for game six (laughs) what in the world are they going to do with an icon and it's like well one icon gets bumped for an icon in training that is the way that kind of goes and unfortunately i don't know who made that gaffe at state farm arena because you should never ever 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 assume anything when it comes to sports i mean until you play the game you don't know what's gonna happen so to right. me that was like wow i can't believe anybody actually made that gap but it happened it happened and i got a text from a friend of mine last night first thing she said was hey sis um so about that janet jackson concert now that the hawks have won what do you think's gonna happen and i was like oh the word just dropped that's that concert's moving to friday because Absolutely. you can't do you it's tough because I'm sure. Well, you gonna play? Yeah, you can move concerts. Concerts have been rescheduled yeah, since the beginning the time. of time. Yes. A playoff game in any league, Jarvis. Correct me if I'm wrong. Other than a natural disaster, which may have moved a Super Bowl, but yeah. even that was moved months ahead of time, right? Right. Or an All Star game because of political situations a couple Situation, of years yeah. ago. But mm-hmm. in general, sports events don't get bumped. So no. when that game was won, I would, I knew I was like, ooh. So I wonder if folks are going to see Janet Friday or Saturday. Because what you won't do is see her at State Farm Thursday. But shout out to Jarvis for being a big enough man. Say he was wrong. (laughs) And listen, none of us can throw him under the bus. Because when we saw what Boston was able to do or what Boston did in game five, the thought was, wow, the Hawks gave their best shot. The Hawks really did give like a body blow to the Celtics and they still won. So I cannot mm-hmm. blame you for having that thought process. But yes, as those who cover local sports and those who are always rooting for good things to happen to our local sports teams, this is one of those swords that I've fallen on with Jarvison saying, I am glad that we didn't get it right on that one, right? Absolutely. Yes, no doubt. I mean, because when you think about, you know, how, you know, we cover these teams, like we have, we're invested in these boys. We invested in these young men out here giving it, giving it, giving it of themselves to sure. not only the city, but, you know, hey, to go out there and, you know, and perform well because they're professionals. That's what they want to do. So we, we understand that and everything. Uh, speaking of performing well, T, we got to acknowledge these guys before we get yes. up out of here. Nephew <laughs> Ronnie, <laughs> nephew Ronnie. And uh, Mr. Ozzy Albee, so that'll make him Neff as well. So the two yeah. nephews, they did their thing last night. Ozzy Albee's two home runs, and Ronald Acuna up here setting the table like he normally does. Yes. But it was a family affair because you always call Uncle Charlie, Charlie Morton, saying, hey, it's yes. Uncle again, that's a good thing. So yes. he gave his all in seven innings last night, striking yes. out nine. But like you said, the, the, the first cousins – Slash the nephews, Ronald Acuna Jr. and Ozzy Albies. I mean, going through the family tree here, right? (laughs) For the culture. (laughs) They are so for the culture. Oh my God. They are so for the culture. Whenever you and I get an opportunity to talk about them doing some of the things they're doing, Ronald Acuna Jr., it was so funny because our guy Grant McCauley said, Yesterday morning, this is before game two, he was talking about on 92.9 how we started the season thinking 30-30 for Ronald Acuna. Then we started thinking, no, he's back to 110%. Maybe he's 40-40. McCauley said, could this guy even be like threatening 50-50? And then Ozzy Albies was always a part of that conversation about whether or not you could have three, four, five Braves getting to 30-30 or maybe even touching 40-40. So, yeah, just shout out to seeing them have all the fun in the world and doing it just like you would do for the culture because they're just dear friends. And we love to hear it and love to see it. 
We love uh, everybody that rocking with the, the Atlanta with the A. I almost said something. Now, you know, I did. I actually, I did just say the A. I, you know, hey, I'm, I'm warming up to it, you know, because hey, I know how people identify with my city. And we appreciate you guys identifying with us and make it ATL Day 1's your first listen of the day. And remember, 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 people who come here and listen to us Monday through Friday, they call everydayers. Why don't you join the club? Guess what? And I'm going to start doing a little something special for the everydayers. How about this? Do you want a red solo cup? Yes. If you want a red solo cup, hit up ones at gmail.com and I'll send you a red solo cup. All you got to do is comment every dayers and send your contact info and I will send you an ATL Day One's official everydayer red solo cup. So, yeah, how about that on a good Wednesday on a hump day? So, guys, if you don't do anything else uh, today, I want to make sure, make sure, make sure that you share love, show love, and most importantly, come back tomorrow for the ATL Day Ones Part 3, and we'll tell you exactly who we will pick at the number 8 overall pick, and last but not least, spread love.